You are listening to The Path Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, Mountain Bike Radio listeners, and thank you for coming back for a new episode of The Path Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Biking Park City. Go to mountainbikingparkcity.com, or if you're listening on the app, you just click on the link in the show notes while you're listening and check out what they have going on. Because from well-maintained beginner single track to open spaces to expert only downhill bike park terrain, the riding options in Park City, Utah are expansive. There are also two world-class resorts, Deer Valley Resort and a Park City Mountain that offer lift access riding to make sure you get the most out of your time in the saddle. Deer Valley operates three chairlifts in the summer so that you can access 70 miles of single track and four flow trails designed by Gravity Logic. And Park City Mountain operates three chairlifts accessing some of Park City's high alpine trails and lakes, including the Imba Epic Ride on the Mid-Mountain Trail. And there are bike parks in Park City. From beginner to expert lines, all types of riders can have fun at Park City's Dirt Jump Park. You may even catch a pro rider there doing a trick or two. Trailside Bike Park offers numerous flow trails, wall rides, rock gardens, pump tracks, and a skills area. So it's a great spot to warm up and play, and then jump on some flowy single track around the area. So check out all the great riding information, everything you need for your trip to Park City by going to mountainbikingparkcity.com. Thanks to them for sponsoring this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Now here it is, Path Podcast with Nathan, Tani, and Ak. Welcome to another episode of the Path Podcast. Nathan here with Tawny and Ock. Welcome, dudes. Hi, Nathan. Hi, Ock. Hey, this is Tawny. This is Ock. It's good to be here. Uh, that was a video on Pink Bike of Wade Simmons shredding on a uh, on a fat bike. It was kind of cool. Wasn't that guy a free rider? <laughs> fro rider. Oh yeah. He was a fro rider. That's a thing. That Some people call that a bro rider. <laughs> it was, they had Froes and it was Brett Tippy and Richie Schley and Wade Simmons. Man, I, w- I wish I could, you know, I have a pretty, if I want to, I can grow a pretty solid Jufro. Oh, nice. And if I had <laughs> bigger um, um, spherical objects elsewhere, maybe I could have hung with those guys. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you you could have been a huxtable. You know what though? I don't like hucking to flat, uh, yeah. and I also don't really like going big. That that would the hucking to flat would have excluded you from that era's genesis. I like going big, but not like that. <laughs> not like that. I like going big by like we like dad's stuff, like dad <laughs> dad level going big. Well, with the proliferation of Instagram and staged photos. You might have a career. <laughs> dad big. <laughs> dad, hashtag dad, dad big. big. <laughs> it's kind of like a dad bod, only it's the dad, dad line. Big. Nice. It's like you look pretty good for a dad doing that. <laughs> Jeez. You know Hootie? Nice. Uh, um, not Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> I was gonna, that was my first question. Local, local writer, um, Jerry. We don't use full names here, but anyways, people call him Hootie. Talk about dad big. The first time I first time I rode with him, 
uh, it was with Winston as well. And this was back when they were doing Techno Tuesdays and things like that. Shout out to W3JR. <laughs> exactly. Wherever you are. So we're riding at one of the, the local parks. And, you know, Hootie is a, he, he's a little bit older dad than even I am. And we're riding and, you know, dropping some fun segments. And he links together um, at the top at the top of uh, one of the trail systems in the, the San Diego Oaks. Um, he sends it like this, I think it was probably 10 foot overhead to not quite flat. Was this like back in the day, like a yes. historic line? Yes. Is that the line like that Max did? Yes, I believe it is. Like it, it was a pretty legit like huck to like crumbly transition. Yes. And there was a little traverse version of it that we would do. Yes. There was like half, like cut it yes. in half. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that little traverse version was sketch- still super Exactly. Sketchy. Exactly. And I was like, whoa, you're like dad dude. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that was dad big. That was definitely dad big. Hashtag dad big. Hashtag dad big. Um, I had something on my mind. I was looking at, um, I, I think it was Pink Bike. Shout out to Pink Bike. And uh, I think it's Dirty Six is a mountain oh, bike maker. Yeah, they're making the 36-inch wheel bikes. Right. For very tall people. How are they doing tires? I think, I felt like someone was making tires like they might have been making these in Walmart or something Are they like sewing that. two tires together? I think maybe there's a mold floating out there for some reason. Huh. So, you know, like the full Maxis line isn't available, but someone's popping a tire out of a what mold. What was the Walmart reference right there? Oh, uh, Walmart was making bigger than 29er bikes for a while, and I don't know if it was 36, but they were doing something so that someone's making tires, I think, bigger than 29. Do you guys know about the whole, like, Walmart trail advocacy ridership thing? Mm. I am aware of this. How yeah. trippy is that? I was it's, in... Did we talk about how I went to how how I went to Austin? I think we... Okay, okay so... We did a couple of episodes a little out of order. I think we're going to stay in order, so I think in we will call it. our last episode. I think we'll still call it. Yet. Yeah, I think we'll still call this our last episode. But yeah, it's the the, the Walt. There's like some Walton grandkid that like loves mountain biking. I think it's more there. than one, from what I understand. It might be, yeah. So apparently, some of the, some of the Walton kids, which shout out to the Walton kids for doing this, and this is pretty cool. And if you want to come on our podcast and talk about it, you can. Mm-hmm. But, like, gently. apparently they own a bunch. I mean, I th- the trails I rode in Austin, I think, are owned by the Waltons. That's and, my understanding with the Bentonville setup, too, in Arkansas, which is Walmart home. I homeland. think they actually employ people to maintain them. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Do they wear blue vests with happy spices <laughs> on them? <laughs> there wasn't a greeter. <laughs> you know what? I'm really disappointed. I want a greeter. <laughs> greeter. A trail, little trail greeter. Yes, in a happy look. I don't want a depressed, like, I'm a senior and I can't pay my bills. That's why I'm here. I want someone like, hey, I'm retired and I do well, but I just like people. Hey, like if somebody wanted greeter. to pay me to be a trail greeter, I'd be pretty happy wearing a blue vest. But, like, yeah. isn't it great how, like, sometimes the evil empire isn't the evil empire? 
this that is a really interesting because I mean Walmart is kind of the evil empire, and if the Walmart kids want to come in and dispute that claim, we won't we won't play we won't push them too hard. No, but like in my mental moral like checklist, I was like, ah, oh, but you're making my matchos, so yeah, we're cool. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. That's a nice balancing act. It's 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 a heavily weighted factor on my scale enough where I'm like, yeah, Walmart's cool, and, and they'll let you camp for free. That's also a big, a big oh, plus in their yeah. so, I mean, You can live in their parking lots. You could live in their parking lots. And they're lot. open 24 hours, and you could like go in there and use their bathroom and buy a pint of haagen I know. And, like feel okay for a second. Yeah. And Nathan, Nathan's embracing the van life. Or the van van life, life I am in the van life. I haven't done the Walmart parking lot yet just because the areas I've gone haven't quite... You know, we haven't either in my family, but it's always in the back of our mind. Like, I think it's yeah. in our destiny. Should we do like a road trip and just Walmart the, the one, whole time? One, well, yeah. maybe just one night. <laughs> so, so here's a little funny story. I, I, on the last show, I was talking about I've been shopping for used cars, like a four by four or something for fun, but I'm still, again, casually, well, seriously looking, but being very picky. And so this is going to take a while. Anyway, I looked at a vehicle last night. I met a guy in a Walmart. I was driving my van because that's my only vehicle right now. And uh, I uh, texted him. I'm like, I'm here. I'm in the white van. And I look around. I was like, the one by the white Jeep. Because <laughs> 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 like, hey. there's about five white vans. There was like three or four white vans. And I was going to say the ProMaster. And I was like, well, there's, there's two other ProMasters. <laughs> so I was like, the white van by... Uh, oh, the white Jeep. <laughs> Wait, so, so the last show is actually the next show. It's as far as our listeners concerned, our last show is our last show. That's true. Dios mio! But we don't <laughs> need but to confuse Jeep, our listeners. But the Jeep talk is the next show. The Jeep talk was the last show. Oh my god! But it's going to be okay. the next show. Let me just let me <laughs> yeah, just do. No. Let, let me just. Who's on first? <laughs> let me just clarify, and we can move on. All right. We recorded a show last week. And that show is on embargo for another week. And then the show we are currently recording will release a week or two after that. Oh, you're right. I'm confused. Yeah. So the the show is the last show. The shows will be released in our recording order. And by the time you hear this show, you'll (gasps) know about the Mega Tower. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Oh we can gosh. talk about it. And Ankh is going to just sound confused as hell, well, which I am right now. So, so we t- we <laughs> talked about making sure they were in order. You just locked it. They now have to be in order. <laughs> and by the way, I have my Mega Tower on order. Oh, dang. and I planned it. I'm going to keep my Nomad, and I'm going to I'm going to make a point of like bringing them both places and doing back to back loops and runs on them and doing Ooh. comparisons and talking about it on the show. We're going to have a lot of listeners that are going to be jonesing for that feedback for sure. What is it? One one sixty? Okay. Since you asked <laughs> on on the last show, I didn't have actual specs, but now I do, and so I'm going to search my email for them. And you guys can maintain a conversation while I do that. Okay, so anyways, we were talking about the, the Dirty Six, and we got into Walmart and what have you. So just real quick while Tony's talking about this. The interesting thing about that Dirty Six for our NBA um, uh, NBA people who are listening who like the NBA, man, Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal all have these Dirty Six bikes. Right. And... It's pretty dang impressive uh, that this company has managed to get these 
these players on their bikes. Right. So what what I thought was interesting is that the bike that LeBron James has is I think an eighty four hundred dollar bike. Mm-hmm. What I thought was kind of crazy and interesting is that um, there are many, many, many bikes, production bikes that are selling for quite a bit more than that. Right. And I think those are selling well. Yeah. Oh, the 36s are selling well? No, 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 no. Oh. Like just bikes over $8,400. Oh. oh, I mean, or maybe that's the sweet point where a lot of... So do you think they bought it because... I? I feel like the guy or yeah, I mean he's built, he's pitching them saying, "Hey, if you're over seven foot, like this, you need this." There's not a lot of options out there, and <laughs> right, there's not an S Works thirty six, <laughs> like ten grand bike, right? Right, right, right. But I think they could definitely look at the look at the build spec. They could definitely have built it a little nicer. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so, like, so unlim- essentially unlimited resources. And you right. end up right at that $8,400 mark. Right. We don't have, like, Chris King hubs and, like, mm. Hope custom anodized brakes right. and, like, just really crazy stuff. Correct. X, XX1 Eagle. Right. And a custom frame builder probably has access to all of that and would know, I mean... Oh, for sure. Or d- yeah, they're probably... 36, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and so it's $8,400 for a eh, spec, yeah. like a decent spec, like I wouldn't kick it out of bed kind of thing. Right. And it's a hardtail, hard steel hardtail frame, which you can get a custom one for in the neighborhood of you know sixteen hundred bucks from like a U.S. maker, sure. and some special tires. I'll say the tires are really expensive; they're hundred dollars a piece. Like, right. So it's a steel hardtail with a decent build, and it's eighty four hundred bucks. I mean, that is expensive steel hardtail. Yeah, but uh, so so I think what we're talking about here is what does it cost to get. A person who doesn't really have a budgetary restriction, a bike that is revelationary for them without making it. I mean, this goes back to a conversation we were having before the show. No one wants to feel like they paid more than they needed to pay for what they got, even someone who has the money. Right, right. Yeah, we were talking about the, like, in my used car shopping experiences, the twisted system that is the used car market. <laughs> well, what we were talking about is how um, in the world of selling and buying used stuff, most right. people are less concerned with exactly how much they get and more concerned whether they admit it to themselves or not with whether they got what they could get. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do think so. In other words, if you're a seller, it's less a question of if you're selling a used item that you know you're going to sell anyway and you just want to move on, it's less a question of how much did you get and more a question of could you have got more. So link link this back for me to the to the LeBron bike. So for I think for um, a wealthy person who's buying something, they also don't want to spend more. They, they want to... Somewhere in there, there's the ego that wants to make a sensible purchase that, and not spend more money than you have to for the thing you want to buy. Yeah, I think I, I think LeBron would be offended if you charged him thirty dollars for a jar of Jif peanut butter. Like, mm-hmm. even though he can afford, even though that's not going to change his lifestyle or even at, his, at mo- all. his minute or whatever. Yeah, I think it's a question of 
how important is mountain biking? Right. And obviously, it's nice to have a bike that just fits you. Yeah. And it's it's easy to understand how if you're almost seven feet tall, it might cost more to get a bike that just fits you. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't mean you want to buy if you're if you're someone who has no ride fantasy that includes really pushing the limits of high end equipment. It doesn't mean you want to spend the money to to fulfill that ride fantasy. So are. Are we saying that we think, based on the spec that we saw, that they got a little overcharged for what they got? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they could have upspecced it and not really delivered anything else that LeBron would have appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Based on what I'm assuming is his ride fantasy. Now, if he has a different ride fantasy, then he, if his ride fantasy is like shredding and, and like, he identifies as a ride. My guess is that he doesn't identify as a mountain biker. My guess is that he identifies as someone who wants to be able to ride a mountain bike that fits him. Or an NBA player. <laughs> right. He identifies probably kidding, as right. an NBA player. Right. But within this purchase, within this purchase, he's not buying it because it's like, oh, I'm a mountain biker now. Right. Right. This is my new identity. Right. This is right. even like top five in my priorities in life. Totally. Like, he's buying it as, I want to be able to ride a bike like a normal person, and it might cost me more because I'm big. Right. Right. Now, Reggie Miller, if you're out there and mountain biking does happen to fall in your, say, top, even top 10 list of things, Reggie Miller, we would love to have you on this podcast. Right, because we we could help you (laughs) dial in your suspension for your weight and and riding style and, and do a fit on you and all that. That would be awesome. Right, and we know Reggie is a real rider. We know he's passionate about it. How tall is Reggie? I'm going to say 6'9", 6'9", 6'7", 6'8", 6'7", 6'9". So if they Mad do shit be, talker in a good way. Oh, my gosh. If you want to be a ripper on a, on a mountain bike that, and you're that tall, where are we talking? Like, I'm riding extra large 29ers on 5'11". Well, I mean, like, the biggest double extra large you can find or a custom bike. I like we're talking Geometron. Honestly, XLs. possibly a custom Ventana. They'll build one for him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Ventana will build you a bike of any any nature. Hmm. That'd be cool. Maybe like a a Ven Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> but still on twenty nine wheels. Which to that point, that was the big kicker for that thirty sixer was to um, get it to proportion. Honestly, out to those if guys. I think. I think if I was an NBA rider and had NBA money, go talk to um, And I had my current like perspective on <clears throat> how important riding is and the prioritization of riding in my life, I would probably pay someone whatever. I, I'd probably pay like five hundred thousand dollars to have my own tire mold to have like a thirty six or tire. Nice. Or like or whatever it is, a hundred thousand dollars plus like production cost for a production well, man, run you know, maybe, of twenty tires. So, so like, maybe so maybe we could hook up um we could get Reggie talking with Greg Minar to go talk to Maxis because well, that's was, how the twenty nine er downhill tire came about. I was gonna say for the price of the mold that Maxis can or at knock least 30 out a pro two inch tires. But like I think for realistically for Maxis to knock out a proto mold for those guys to get some tires and for them to be able to run it in different casings. We're talking two Instagram posts in a year from LeBron. 
would make like if it he's worth, like would make hey, it worth it. He's like, hey, thanks for Maxis for making these tires. Maxis makes great tires. Boom. Oh. So because we just so we just made the deal for everyone. <laughs> Basically, um, Maxis, um, you need to call Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller, you need a thirty sixer built through us with Maxis. Yeah, exactly. I would love this to is get... all well within all of your means and, <laughs> and interests. <laughs> if Menard can do it, LeBron can do it. Oh yeah, Reggie Miller can do it. And then maybe we could get the three of them on a podcast. I mean, honestly, it does sound like. To, like on a quick like back of the napkin formula, it seems like <laughs> the value of having Reggie Miller or LeBron James endorse your tires would imagine. be easily offset by the ve- by the cost of building a mold. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I think for sure. Plus, then we would all get to experiment with like thirty two, thirty sixers, thirty two in the back, thirty six in the front. Oh man, well, thirty six, twenty nine er. I, I think this would all fly until their agents get a hold of it, and they're like, wait, they're going to make a mold, and that mold costs $10,000, and they're doing two Instagram posts? Like, no. They're like, you're going to come with more than that. And this goes back to value arbitration, and that's fine, and we can work this out. <laughs> Bottom line is, people need to hear this. We want the tires. That'd be awesome. Bottom line. That's one of those phrases I hear you're not supposed to say anymore. Oh, it's oh. like not like culturally oh. offensive, but like rhetorically. Um, some people find it irritating, and there's like this long li- there's these long lists of phrases people find irritating. What's a good What's a good uh, alternative? And, and th- well, I'll tell you a lot of things. I'll, I'll tell you a lot of alternatives that you sh- that are also on the list at the end of the day. <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> let's I- let's identify those pain points so that we can have some laser focus and deep dive. <laughs> Me and my coworkers have <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> There's some jargon in there. Uh, my coworkers and I have, in the past, developed a bingo game. At the end of the day, we, we had a bingo card for at the end of the day for meeting buzzwords, and oh, at yeah. the end of the day, for sure, was on it. Right. Well, it's an it's like I've been one to use it, but I admit that in on a level, it's an attempt to control the conversation because you're claiming to. To have the at the end of the day value, you're and it's a and also it's a conversation ender. Not it's not a conversation builder. You're not you're not inviting more conversation. You're mm-hmm. claiming to have the end end of the conversation. No, truth be well. told, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and the problem with that one, I think, here, okay, is that that that's like a tell that you're maybe not being honest. No, that's exactly why I brought it up. If if you're ever curious, the Gary Goleman does a he's he's a stand up comedian. He's on Netflix. He does a he does an awesome bit. And he's like, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. It, he just like he has this whole run of like all the phrases. He's like, people say so much and they say nothing. Right. When at the end of the day, if I really? Were to be completely honest with you, <laughs> are you usually not completely honest with I me? Know. I mean, like, I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. It's also like it, it also goes to the idea that maybe the person you're talking to isn't really having they're having a conversation that started before you got there and is gonna end after you leave. Mm. Mm. Or, or something like that. Yeah. Well, and, I, I guess I didn't mean to say the bottom line, but what <laughs> I did mean to say is we want the tires. Yes, we do want the tires. 
That Truth, be told. <laughs> Truth be told. Truth be told. Com- if I'm being completely honest here. Truth be told, <laughs> at the end of nothing. the day, not for nothing, it is what it is. <laughs> I, I will sometimes, when I'm running meetings, purposely stick those things into the middle of a completely normal, <laughs> like people being very intense and like focused. I'll put those things out there. And only a few people in, in the meeting will get it. <laughs> so are you doing it like ironically? Sort of, yes. Yes. Or Right, know, like so be... it's like it's like you're making fun of the people who say that, not joining them. Correct. Correct. Uh, and it's and... a very dangerous game. <laughs> it is. It is. Because when you don't even crack a smile and you say it, the people who are using it appreciate it it's kind of like you can make <laughs> you know and the people who get it who know you are yeah. like, <laughs> right like there's derogatory terms that you could be really against the use of and you could use them to make fun of the people who use them but then you could also be penalized for using that them. is true valid that point is true yeah and which is all fair play I, i'm i'm not i'm not complaining yeah, i think it's true. a fun game yeah. there are there are times when I, I, you know, I just go for it, <laughs> you know. There, there was a, uh, there was a. Uh, Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Wally. Okay, so did you ever find those? Um, did you ever find the um, the assets? The assets. I never found the assets. <laughs> okay. So we should we should move on because the, we were mega tower assets <laughs> exactly exactly oh, awesome love it okay so we're we're not gonna we're not gonna get onto the the mega tower black on so. black for service green I ordered black on black yes. ooh nice nice Johnny Cash so I'm gonna have the black Bronson against the black mega tower ah Bronson or Nomad. I'm sorry, Black Nomad against the Black Mega Tower. Yeah. Can't believe I did that. Excellent. The Mega Tower. That's awesome. That's that's quite the name. I'm eager I'm really eager to see how that thing pedals. I suspect my theory is that it's gonna pedal more or less like a nomad, but a little faster. You think? I think a lot of the trade offs are gonna be similar, mm-hmm. but I think twenty nine is generally like faster pedaling overall. I would agree, but I, hmm, I feel like I'd rather pedal the Nomad around than the High Tower LT. Hmm. I haven't spent enough time on a High Tower LT to say that. Hmm. Do you think I, that's because of weight or or suspension efficiencies, tire weight? Man, because the the High Tower that I rode had didn't have double downs on it. The high tower LT that I rode didn't have double downs. So I mean, it's like three C DHF DHR suspension efficiency. Maybe, maybe suspension efficiency. Hmm. Maybe you. I suspect the suspension efficiencies are going to be similar between these two. I mean, both lower link current Santa Cruz execution. Yeah, how can it not pedal better? Hey, this is Ben Welnack, and I'm jumping in here again with a thanks to Mountain Biking Park City. If you go to mountainbikingparkcity.com, you can get all your information about the great riding in Park City, Utah. From well-maintained beginner single track and open spaces to expert-only downhill bike park terrain. The riding options in Park City 
really are endless. There are also two world-class resorts, which are Deer Valley Resort and Park City Mountain. They offer lift access riding to make sure that you get the most out of your time in the saddle. Deer Valley operates three chairlifts in the summer, so you can access 70 miles of single track and four flow trails designed by Gravity Logic. And the Park City Mountain operates three chairlifts, accessing some of Park City's high alpine trails and lakes, including the Imba Epic Ride on the Mid-Mountain Trail. And bike parks. So Park City has bike parks from beginner to expert lines and something for all types of riders. You can have fun at Park City's Dirt Jump Park. You may even catch some pro riders. They're doing some tricks. Possibility. If not, you're still going to have fun. Seriously. Trailside Bike Park offers numerous flow trails, wall rides, rock gardens, pump tracks, and a skills area. It's a great spot to warm up and play, and then jump on some of the flowy single track that surrounds the area. So check it out, guys. Park City, Utah. Check out the great riding information, all the details. Go to mountainbikingparkcity.com, or if you're listening on the app, just click in the show notes, click on the link. Special thanks to them, and uh, you can keep listening to this and uh, search around and see what they have going on. So thanks. Back to it. My my theory is that the mega tower is going to be a little heavier than a high tower LT, and a little less favorable geometry for uh, steep for no I take that back a little heavier than the high tower LT, and a little slacker head angle but steeper seat angle, maybe slightly more pedaling. What fork is it coming with? Are they making one seventy or one eighty thirty six? I want to say it's a one sixty. It is so it's one sixty one sixty. Because that, that, that's always been I a... I say it's 150, 160, actually. It's really? been a little bit of a black hole when I've gone to look. Is there's And because I've been interested in poles before and that new Stamina is a 180 bike, and I was like, hmm, if I bought that, what fork would I get? And I was looking around, like, I don't think Fox makes a 180, 29, 36. They don't. But there is a 180, 29 Lyric, I think, in some capacity. Wait, there's so somewhere. you think it might be a 150, 160? think so mm. i'll be right back do they sell just frames they will be selling just frames mm. cc's only though right i would assume they typically will only sell the cc frames they look pretty cool i i, I mean i i imagine it would look pretty cool <laughs> well, i know honest i honestly haven't said that that was that was a slip of the tongue but i i think the nomad looks cool in their general low slung bronson nomad design is uh is solid for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think it's I think it's gonna be good. I wonder if it's gonna have a flip chip. I'm just gonna buy a frame then. Yeah. Oh, cause do you have a twenty nine I one sixty fork? I have a twenty nine one fifty thirty six with the ACS three coil conversion on it. Can you bump right. that up and not get a new coil kit? Well if what um with if what Walling is say if what Tani is saying sorry Tani. If what Tani is saying is um uh, is true. They're they're coming one fifty one sixty. So you would run the fork at one fifty, I guess, because that's what he's saying it's coming with. Mm. I wonder if you can. But, but I was wa- be, I was curious if that yeah. ACS coil kit is travel specific. I guess that's what I was getting mm. at. Hey, Tony, do you Tony's back? Do you know if the ACE, the ACS coil kit is travel specific? So, for example, Ak has a thirty six ACS coil that's one fifty. Can he easily change it to 160, or is that a different ACS coil kit? Good question. Um, 
Something about the kit is travel specific, but I think it might only be the spring, but I'd have to double check. So maybe you can just order a spring and it's like 80 bucks or something and Correct. then poof, it's... Correct. A 160 or one, 160. whatever. So it, it's definitely true that um, you can order a travel specific ACS kit and change your travel. Okay. And I suspect if I remember correctly, the difference isn't the bump stop, it's just the spring. Mm. But that I don't want to say yet. Mm. Uh, internet research will tell you. Phone yeah. call to push would tell you. But you have the chassis. Most importantly, you have the chassis that has yeah. 160 mils in it. Correct. Because I was thinking I may just buy a frame. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I don't want to derail it too much. But I had a part question. We can get to it eventually. Do it. Oh. So I have a coworker who just built up some wheels with those Onyx hubs, the silent roller clutch Ooh. thing, and he let me just parking lot it. They're kind of cool. Like, it's it's got, like, an instant engagement, but because it's, like, a sprag clutch, it, like, has a little bit of cush to it. It's a really unique feel to it, but it's, like, instant, it's silent, but there's a cush that cush thing is also like a potential inefficiency, though, right? Because it's like almost like a wind up. Um, like you could be using some of your wattage to go through cush instead of to translate power. But it does spring back. Okay. It's it's loaded energy that is then released. Okay. Um, it's not gone. Uh, it doesn't create friction. It just like stores. Right. It's like a little capacitor. Um, so you get it back when you stop pedaling. No, no, like you'd push, you get it and back then when the wheel responds, yeah, the, whenever the, the whenever right. your wattage lowers enough for it to recoil or mm. yeah, back out, yeah, yeah, it, does, it doesn't vaporize unless it's turning into heat or something like. That. But it's, I don't think uh, it's not. I think maybe mostly not. There might be some heat. It's a clutch, right? Uh, so some of it might be lost to friction. Yeah, I think I think minimal. But as far as a feel of a hub really fascinating like felt really interesting um obviously the gear ratio determines how much how much uh pedal tip displacement you have in the cush zone so like if you're climbing you have more cush zone when you're on a high gear it there's less displacement (laughs) at the tip (laughs) that actually i almost would picture that actually playing out well for um traction management on climbs that's kind of what i was thinking i'm trying not to (laughs) Um, but these are premium priced hubs. I think they're in the neighborhood of Chris King's, maybe not quite as much. Oh, and they do have something really cool if you're into Shimano drivers, is it's an aluminum Shimano driver with the leading edges are steel reinforced with little inserted rods. Oh. So it's a generally it's it won't take the teeth the cog gouge, but it's aluminum driver body. Really cool looking. Um they're expensive, they're cool, and they're silent. And in light of Shimano canceling the silent hub. Mm, right. Why do you think they did that? Um, I I could only speculate. I I production issues, um, something wasn't up to their quality standards, and they felt like if they were gonna release something so different it needed to be up to Shimano standards. I hear they're gonna replace a, the hub. It's gonna be an unnumber like a a number series hub, not a branded. It's not XTR XTR. It'll be like eighty seven hundred series hub, mm. and it's a Paul hub. So the the new micro drive or whatever they're calling it is um 
is is just going to be a, a paw hub and there's going to be various versions and then you know r- r- rumor has it trickles out to the the 12 speed um but yeah so onyx hubs i think they're kind of kind of cool might be worth tinkering with a little bit i'm i'm considering getting a rear just because it's pretty unique I think Shimano came out with something similar a long time ago. They did, yeah. It was a low-end roller clutch L- around the LX level. LX level, yeah. Yep. Um, but this is like machined with a Sprague clutch. And uh, So what's a Sprague clutch? What's Sprague mean? You know, I, as a mechanical engineer, they're going to pull my card. I don't know exactly. It's just a type of like clutch-bearing kind of system. Um, I'm sure Wikipedia probably has a good good thing i was uh i am parroting that comment a little bit mm-hmm. um i think it's a version of a roller clutch um but that's my coworker is the second person who has had these hubs and said this is these are really cool i really like them and then my coworker is a particularly diehard chris king fan Ooh, interesting um, now he did recently just get them. It's you know he hasn't put a lot of time on them yet. He is very very particular about his reliability. Um, hardcore mechanical engineer, very particular about his reliability. But hardcore mechanical mm-hmm. engineering, hardcore mechanical. <clears throat> um, so I'm curious what his long term kind of review is. But uh, it's kind of fun to have a coworker that tinkers with weird weird stuff too. And he built them on some like. 32 millimeter internal china carbon rims with a significant offset he's very into offsets on the rims i like to keep my like hardcore mechanical engineering searches <laughs> i i clear i clear my search history after every time <laughs> it's yeah. like hardcore mechanical. <laughs> exactly the schluben five insights is i don't know delete Obviously. cookies <laughs> um have you guys had any customers that have done the Onyx Hub thing? I'm not into Sprague clutches. That's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> have you ha, has any uh, have you guys done any Onyx hubs for customers? I'm sure we have, but I can't think of a, a, like an example's not jumping out to me in my, my recollection. Yeah. I, I mean, we build so many wheels for so many people. I we've Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So I was looking at. Um, can can I just jump to kind of a going back, maybe Fl- going back, switching over, switching over the Wabak, the Wabak button. Um, what do you think is going to happen on EWS with bikes this year? I mean, I, I was just looking at a, just looking at ten bikes from the twenty niners, big travel twenty niners for the boys. You think everyone's going to move away from the the, the high tower LTS? Uh, well, I would presume they're gearing I mean, they'll up. get mega towers. They're going to they get mega towers. Tower LTs. Yeah, that would be my guess. So is the is the high tower LT just going away? I don't know. It's an interesting question because Santa Cruz could sunset that model, or they could keep it as um, a midpoint between the high tower and the mega tower. Yeah. And I think both would be fairly legitimate options. I suspect that if they keep it, it will eventually be low link. Mm-hmm. 
That seems to be the future trend for most of their longer-ish travel things. Mm. It, it looked cool. Mm. It'll be really interesting to see if they introduce that into some not-so-long travel things. You know, one thing I was curious yeah. about <laughs> um, that I, I'm guessing Santa Cruz hasn't done, but I, I really thought that we were going to start seeing the bigger seat post size at 34.9 proliferate a little bit I thought bit so, more. too. I, I mean, thought that was going to be... Who does that? Some people do that. Poll started doing it with the very distinct reason, rationale that they're like, this is tube and tube and tube. It's like too much. It's a lot of tubes. It's a lot of tubes. So they're running really short seat tubes, even for the tall guys. And they're like, yeah, just get a monster long 34.9 seat post. And it's it you know it has the stiffness and the length. I mean, tubes <laughs> and insertion and stiffness and hilting. <laughs> There's a lot of factors to consider. A lot of ins, a lot of outs. <laughs> oh. That was a good that was a good closing argument. <laughs> um but I I, th- I thought um I particularly there's uh there was a carbon a lot of the carbon frames were running thirty five or thirty four point nine seat collars and thirty one point six seat tubes. And a lot of times it's only like maybe three layers of carbon. And I always was like, ah, it's getting a little thin, guys. Like, you guys either need, like, either need to come up with a new seat collar size that puts a little bit more carbon underneath. Um, I, I believe that's a, why a lot of um, carbon frame companies still make the decision to stick with 30.9 is to keep that thickness under the seat collar and not come up with a custom seat collar. I think on my transitions, I think they're like some oddball size, like a 37 seat collar for the 31.6 mm. seat so the material gets really thin, and so what I was hoping is they're just going to upsize all of this stuff and make it a little more stout. Your seat collar frame interface material was effaced to one millimeter. Sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> nothing, nothing. What, what, uh, one more time? I, I, I think I lost the thread. Oh, anyone, <laughs> the midwives out there will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, sorry, I, I might have dug a little too deep on that. Basically, no, I think you're right. There's the thing where at, as the seat posts get bigger, if the collars don't also come to new sizes, we have a really thin material on the frame there. It's fragile. Yeah, it, it's not it's so much that. Out. It's like if you... <laughs> it gets upset. <laughs> it's pay, it has papers. <laughs> it's a show dog. Um, I've had that issue where I've, you know, you crunch down, you hear, like, it's it's like, uh, be, be really careful. And, mm-hmm. you know, every time you work on your bike, you're like, this has a finite number of tightenings in this thing's life. I don't know what that is, but it is finite. I wonder. That's an interesting question. Um. I've had them where like some of the corner of the layers delaminate because the corner digs in a little bit. You know, it's it's you got to be got to be, be be he's fragile. Mm-hmm. There's an engineer out there that's like, did you use a torque wrench? I I did, and sometimes <laughs> it's you know, sometimes it doesn't quite do the trick. Mm, right. So, um, what else have we got on deck? Well. This is not normal because we did a show last week. So we, tr- we haven't had enough stuff happen to us. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hold on. I think there's some stuff going on. So uh, local trails have taken a beating. Mm, yeah. Right. Um, I think for 2019, we've had 
mostly trail closures every weekend for most of 2019. I know. Which sucks. is brutal. I just talked to uh, one of the rangers at uh, Laguna Wilderness, a local park here. And he was saying, I think he said they had just through last weekend. So that would have been first week in March. So we're 60 days into it, maybe on the year, a little over 60 days into it. And they've had 25 or 29 day closed days in the year. Wow. I think most of those were weekends too. Bummer. I mean... And then, so my understanding is that we have man-sized erosion channels, like, you know, human, like, you know, deep enough to stand in erosion channels in Whiting and El Moro and Aliso that are going to take some serious work to clean, clear up. There was and a- so Aliso just opened, but I think Mathis is going to maintain remain closed for a long time. Yeah. And Whiting is going to be closed for a while, I think. And Brian rode Joplin the other day, and he said, "Remember when Joplin used to have a lot of little baby heads and everything?" Yeah. He said it's back to that, mm-hmm. so it's still cool, but it's like a really different experience, like really raw again, like entering back into a really raw stage. Mm-hmm. Okay. All the fines have been washed away, and it's just yeah, yeah. All the all the dirt's been washed off the rocks, and the rocks are still there. Ooh, yeah. I've I've been on Joplin once or twice, like after rain. I I, I kind of have a picture of what you're describing, and it's yeah, it washes out all the dirt and leaves. But the it's rocks. good too. That'll that's a good that's a good downhill challenge, like sustained downhill challenge that you can. You know, if you can charge that with confidence, then you might be able to sustain a long downhill somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't disagree. Man, and even some of the places um, just alongside of roads that you drive normally here in Southern California. If you've ever driven to Laguna Beach from Orange County, you drive down the the 133, or uh, and there's a couple of parking spots, uh, local businesses like the U-Haul. It's, you know, there's a dog park in the area. Did the U-Haul wash away? The U-Haul patch? <laughs> it's... I'm not sure I would park there. It's shorter and maybe undercut severely. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, was just when you were talking about that, I was like, that was already like you're like, oh, I'm getting close to the creek there. Yeah, because it's not just it's not just shorter, but it has like crevices. Oh, so and who knows how much under? So basically, there's this little dirt lot that everybody knows that you can park in Laguna. It's you have very few places. Now in- everybody knows. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's only like six cars. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, the local country club parks there too. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, oh yeah. Who else? Oh, it's uh, they have like a, there's like a AA meeting that meets like right across the driveway. Oh, that's where so I see a lot of people. Country club. Maybe that's what packs it out. I think it's like Laguna Canyon AA yeah. meeting area or something. But yeah, it's this little, little parking area and yeah. It was already you, you just have to watch when you're backing into it or what have you not to not to back in too far and now it's I'm just not sure I'd park there. <laughs> That's good to know. Cuz I have a big dumb van. I It's heavier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone respect the trail closures. Take a sense of of 
kind of caution when you enter out into those trails and remember that they might not be what they were like last time you rode them. And we're going to be posting some trail work opportunities because we all need to pitch in and get the trails back up mm-hmm. and running mm-hmm. and, and dialed back in. So look yeah. look for some trail work opportunities coming up from Share Mountain Bike Club or Non-Dot Adventures or our calendar that we'll post. And, let's, and, and you know, maybe, maybe we'll see you out there because I'm going to try to get out there and do some trail work. Yeah. The, I remember this two years ago, Canyon Acres. It's one of the big fire roads in Laguna, and I rode it um, with a friend. And there was a – you're talking about man's heights. It was like double overhead ditch Oof. on one side of So you Canyon think they Acres. filled it with gravel, or what do you think they did? I don't know. Um, but I remember after the rain, we walked, we were like, whoa, this is huge. <laughs> we took pictures in it and stuff. It was like, you had to like cl- climb down into Jeez. it. And like at certain points, like if you fell, like that was going to be a big fall. It's like 12 feet deep. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. Very scary. So local trail report, basically everything's pretty eroded and be careful out there and let's all do some trail work, but let's get out there and ride too. Yeah. Even Because also riding helps knock the edges off the road. Off the ruts and stuff too. Riding's good for the trail sometimes if it's if it's not muddy. We're just like very skinny rollers. Mm-hmm. I have been running more because it's been raining so much and the trails have been closed. I haven't been, unfortunately, can't run on the trails either. So, but haven't been running out there. But yeah, I have been running more. Well, I guess in light of the rain and stuff, you I know we've had some questions, but you guys probably haven't gotten a lot of time on your. Trance Advance Two Nine Zero, Trance Advance Zero Two Nine. What do we call it? Not a lot, but I have some. Co- I have some thoughts about that bike. Yeah, and I'm sure. I, I'm sure our listeners are curious. Some thoughts about how my how my shiver quiver rather of bikes is going. Okay. So okay, Trance Twenty Nine. My basic thoughts. I, since, since it kind of replaced my high tower, I tend to compare it to the high tower, right? Mm-hmm. And my basic thought so far is that suspension wise. The high tower feels more reassuring, but geometry wise, the trance feels more reassuring. So I felt like the high tower tended to get me into trouble. I crashed that bike more than some other bikes that I've had recently. Hmm. It draws you in just enough to get you into trouble, not to get you out of trouble. Especially how I had it set up with coil front and back. Mm-hmm. The suspension worked really good, mm-hmm. and it felt like it could absorb. A, everything and keep you going but the geometry mm. wasn't quite as aggressive mm. or, it, or stable the geometry wasn't correct. quite as stable correct didn't have the it did it, particularly maybe in terms of fork offset which isn't the bike's fault per se but it is the spec of the bike and mm-hmm. it decently i mean for what it was and for the way that we have our setup or had it set up uh, steep, steep head angle. Relatively steep for what it is. Yeah, it's like sixty-seven, something like that. Yeah, hmm. I think maybe how maybe we had ours it was sixty-six. Yeah, sixty-six, sixty-six and a half. With the one fifty fork. Yeah. But overall, the the trances, uh, I think it's lighter. Mm-hmm. Both the frame and the wheel set. It's a snappier climber. It rides higher in the travel, and it has less travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done a really good do- job with the with the, the suspension on but, that. I but think. I will say, it 
it reminds me that it's a trail bike in a way that the high, even though the geometry encourages is encouraging and, and confidence inspiring the 115 millimeters of rear travel reminds me that it's a trail bike more so than the more so than the jump. I would say the suspension on the high tower really, um, really inspired confidence and the geometry on, on the trance really inspires confidence and, and, and keeps it safe. So I feel like the the suspension on the trance kind of reminds me what kind of bike I'm riding, and then the geometry may, kind of makes it okay if I push it past that a little bit. Right. Where on the high tower it was more the suspension made me think I might be riding a bigger bike than I am, mm-hmm. and then the geometry like let me down. Reminded maybe. you that <laughs> reminded right. you that you weren't when you got into that situation. Right. I, I think that's kind of like the yeah, basics a- of my comparison. Are you guys still pretty happy with the DVO stuff? Other than the fact that we've had a lot of warranty issues with it. I on mean, the rear shock or the so fork? So I sent, I sent on the rear shock. Okay. I sent mine back. Ox sent his back. We've had several floor bikes that had got, got sent back. Is that Now, is that specific to that little shorty shock for that model? I don't think so. Kim sent hers back as well. So this is DVO rear shocks in general? Uh... I, I I don't want to overgeneralize, but I would say that at least on the giant OEM spec, we've had a lot of warranties on the on the rear shocks. What are this? They, what are and the and I want to say too, they really do feel good. They feel really good. What and are what are the symptoms that kick that you know? Um, the the dan- the um, firmer up lever stops working, and the damping still. Is there, but it doesn't seem like it's like adjusting right, maybe. But mainly, okay. it's that the the lever that's supposed to firm up, like the like the quote unquote the the lockout lever that's not a lockout doesn't really do much anymore when Got it's it. failing. But it doesn't go full pogo mode. Doesn't team mine didn't go full pogo. I don't think Ox did either. Yeah, no. Okay, they were still rideable. They were just not quite right. Got it. Okay. It sounds like DVO has been really responsive too. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. And I, I will say this. So, hmm. the first DVO shock I had probably went out on me in I don't know less than within five rides, mm. and the, on the trance. You're talking on the on the trance. Got it. Okay. And the one that I currently have on it, it's probably, I don't know, I'm going to say 25,000 feet of descending. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's definitely, the second one is definitely lasted longer. Oh, the second one there's went reason out to be No, 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 no. It's oh, lasting. There's it reason to be out. hopeful okay. that okay. The, yes. the fix is, that's the fix is it's not a bad one and it's fixed, it's good. Oh, that's meaning. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, got it. So it either goes quick or it doesn't go. Maybe, seemingly. Maybe. Okay. So far. But then it started raining, and I haven't ridden my bike. And <laughs> yeah, want want, lame. So I got a question on that bike. That has giant branded wheels, but does it have the DT Star Ratchet in the hub? Yeah, sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. And those are light wheels. Yeah, like, they're wide, and they're still about fifteen hundred grams. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Yeah, they're twenty sevens internal. And that bike, the one that you guys got, comes spec with the high end SRAM, the lightweight high end SRAM cassette. Right, the machine cassette, mm-hmm. XO one, XO one cassette. 
Yeah. Yeah. A lot a lot of brands kind of sneak the GX cassette oh. in the spec. And mm. Yeah, some do. I mean, like some, some not like say pivot. They call that the ra- the race spec comes with an XO one derailleur and like GX cassette and stuff. Yeah, and then they call their pro one comes with full XO one. Well, I guess it's not a, a sneak in, but it, it's sometimes if you don't don't assume that the derailleur is matching the cassette on don't, the build. Don't That's just assume good. it. Yeah. yeah, look for the rivets. Right. Exactly. If it doesn't have rivets, it's fully machined, and it's basically XO1, XX1 level. Yeah, and there's a color break, too, on the XO1, XX1. They're pretty easy to tell. The The big cog is a different color than the main cassette. Right. So that that's a that's a pretty easy tell, but that's a big weight difference. hundred and something grams, maybe. Yeah, like quarter pound in, just in the cassette alone. That's a nice, those are tasty burgers. <laughs> <laughs> For so... Sure. Kind of on this topic, I've got we've I've got this quiver right. So I've got a right. Nomad and I've got a high or I've got um, a Trans Twenty Nine, right? Advanced Zero, and I've got this AXS kit, this Access kit coming, and an okay. Access Reverb, uh, uh, cool. or in other words, nice. you know, mm-hmm. a wireless reverb, mm-hmm. um, or some people would say Everb, yes, mm-hmm. coming. E tap and, and Everb. So I think what I'm going to Eagle tap and Everb. E- Eagle tap. Sorry, Eagle, Eagle tap. And- Eagle Verb. Eagle verb. So <laughs> I think what I'm going to do, tell me what you guys think of this. I think what I'm going to do, my thought is I want, I'm probably going to put the access drivetrain on the trance. Mm-hmm. Thinking like, I don't want my expensive derailleur on my Nomad, which as our racer, Eric said, it's for like bad decisions. <laughs> right. 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 Like, right. It's the bad decision bike. So. But I think I'm going to put the reverb on the Nomad ah. with the idea that when I go to the bike park, I might have like an angled up ah. rigid seat, po- like a seat, a rigid seat post mm. or a, a non a non dropper yeah. post with That's like an angled up bike point. park seat, <clears throat> seat like the saddle angled up like a BMX bike. Yeah. And I just and with the reverb, there's no why you just put it on. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I cannot argue with that. And I logic. think I'm going to get a second wheel. So I have, I have my Crank Brothers um, Synthesis eleven wheel set mm-hmm. that I really like. That isn't currently on my Nomad. It was on my last Nomad, and I kept it when I sold my last Nomad. And I'm running the stock wheels on the current one Nomad. Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put double down or maybe even dual ply tires mm-hmm. on that Synthesis yeah. wheel set. So I'm going to have an extra wheel set and an extra and a, and, a, and a static seat post that I can put on my Nomad real quick and turn it into a park slash downhill bike. I yes. think that's rad. Yes. This is how I'm thinking about my, because I've got my, my Everb and my Eagle Tap coming. And I was like, I was thinking at first that they were, they would all go on the same bike. Right. Because it kind of makes sense, and then you'd have the same clicker on both sides that kind of matches and everything, which would be cool. And maybe I'll order another Everb later if I like it enough. Right, form over function. You could, but I really like this idea of utilizing the Everb, right, to have the option of having, like, just pull it off and put a different seat post on. Can 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 you match an Everb post with different shifters? I'm sure there's a like with a pairing a miss, process. With a miss, 
with different shifters. Yeah, so like say with, you had probably with the mismatcher from problem solvers you could. I mean no I oh, mean I mean electronically what, speaking. Electronically. So if you bought one Ever post and you had two two dropper levers. Could two year. levers control the same seat post? like if you had one bike so you don't Oh have I'm to- sure. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure. So then, if you you could then order another. That's like asking, could you pair one set of Bluetooth headphones to two different phones and like, like mm-hmm. so you could do that, and then you just need to buy a a new dropper post lever. Either it's or, really just a question of pairing a Bluetooth a Bluetooth yeah. thing to another Bluetooth thing, thing right? Yeah. Like, that seems pretty rad. Uh, that seems like a good idea. So especially with the idea that I'm going to have my mega tower as an option for the like fast, like f- trying to go fast enduro rides, I like the idea of being able to ch- convert my Nomad into a full park bike slash downhill bo- slash like mini DH. Yeah. Well, with three Ever dropper levers and one ever post you can have that on all your bikes it's an interesting idea hmm. assuming that we're assuming correctly correct uh i think giant plays in 30.9 realm and i think santa cruz is 31 you're six. correct mm-hmm. yeah that would be one of the problems so you'd have Hawk's to plan you'd mm-hmm. have to run a sh- you'd have to get 39 and shim it shim it Shims. I'm not a fan of shims. I don't like I don't like shimming posts. So I'm totally down with shimming posts, but I didn't order a 30.9. I ordered a 31.6. Mm. Ah, I mean, I think um, you know a solid seat post shim from Wheels Manufacturing or Problem Solvers or any of those brands. You're likely to forget that it's there if you're running it. Yep. I I I just have a personal. Grape. Why didn't they engineer it to work in the first place? Yes. I mean, if if two things are supposed to work together, why would they need a third thing to work together? <laughs> I why, mean, why, this why, is the why, side of engineering that I actually, one of the sides of engineering that I actually really agree with and appreciate, too. And I agree. <laughs> why are you amplifying my internal monologue? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I'm sure we have plenty of engineering listeners, though, who are fully on board. <laughs> Actually, half the engineer listeners would debate and say, the shim works fine, then you only need well, one it size. Makes it, it makes it modular, <laughs> less, less part numbers. <laughs> yeah. I just think everybody should, we should stop all this nonsense and everything should go 34.9, the big size. The I big think it's size. just whoever can say actually the most times faster. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, you're just like, it's hurting. Actually, the bottom line, <laughs> at the end of the day, actually. <laughs> Not for nothing. It is what it is. To me, actually, well, <laughs> it, oh, as long as we're talking about annoying phrases, to me, the one I like to give people crap for, and I was giving Jesse crap for this the other day, is, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> That one's, uh, yeah. And the only person, the only person who says, like I said, a lot, who I really put up with it, who I just still just love them even more is Jim. 
he he has is he likes he, it's like one of his ticks even like like I said, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just okay when he says it. <laughs> nice. Uh, anything else? We're an hour in. Do trail work. Oh yeah, go do trail work. Be a be an advocate for your trails. Yes. This is this is on my mind a lot lately, and it's something. It, you know when like I'll you know when. Like, let's just say, for example, which I'm not going to do, but let's just say I stopped drinking beer. <laughs> like, you can imagine that I would be, like, telling everyone they should stop drinking beer, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that would it be, like, a, a human approach to life. Yep. Happens often. Right? So, recently, trail work and trail advocacy and stewardship have been... It's it's always been something that's been top of mind for me, because, just from a business standpoint, like... Just the dollars and cents of it are really obvious to me. Right. No trails, no bikes. Right. Um, and then as a rider too, like it also makes sense to me from that perspective. Like I want to be able, I want to have trails to ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really important to me on like on a on a couple of really like significant for me kind of stratospheres of of importance. Right. Right. Like, and yet lately, it's been on my mind even more. So the path has always supported Cher and the Warrior Society and anyone else who wants to do, you know, Maxwell and anyone else who wants to do trail work. We've always been really behind that. And I've always made a point of trying to get out on a trail work day here and there. But it's just really been on my mind lately that not only is it a good way to ensure that we have trails to ride as as an industry and as riders, but it's a good way to get out and and meet each other and and be part of a community. There's, the, you know, in modern life, there's so few opportunities to feel like you're part of something. Yeah, and I think a lot of us are are kind of going through life feeling a little bit of of an empty spot because some days we don't feel part of something. Mm. Yeah, and those of us maybe who don't go to church or who have maybe some other outlet for that, especially, but even people who do, like, there's not. Th- there can never be enough of sense of community, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I think for some of us in modern life, we don't even have the sense of communities that we had in previous eras. It's so isol- It can be really isolating modern life, right? So advocacy is a, a really great opportunity to get out and meet people who care about the same things you care about and contribute to a community that you care about and, and in doing so... Um, invest in and become and, and also invest insert yourself into to where you're gonna get the benefits of being in that community. I don't know. It's just been on my mind lately about this is a way it's it's not just a way to have trails to ride and have a place to and, and have trails to have customers ride so we can sell more bikes as an industry, but it's a way to be a part of something. Yeah. Which is really it's hard. You can't put a price on that. Like I think, I think in in modern life, so many people just want to be a part of something, and it's so difficult to find something to be a part of that that feels worthwhile and worthy. And if you love riding, then being a part of making the trails good is it's easily worthwhile and worthy. Yeah, I I don't disagree. And then to also, in addition to the the kind of trail maintenance side of it, there's the advocacy side where 
so many of our trails are are closer to being lost to mountain bikers than we realize. There yeah, are people who don't want us on the trails, and some of them are powerful, and sometimes we lose trails. Yeah. And then the other side of that is there are trails that we would like to have opened, and it would be great if, as a community, we could express ourselves clearly and send a clear message and have it be understood the add value for homeowners. I mean, we I, I'm a firm believer that if there are more trails in your neighborhood, property values are going to go up. Yeah, I think so. So, like, if you can help spread that message, like mm-hmm. anything, yeah. right? Like, I I have a coworker who's uh, in the house selling area, and they're down by Aliso, and like similar property versus here versus there. Yeah, that house is more valuable. It's 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 uh, um, appraised higher. It's it's it, it's true on a lot of levels because. For one thing, there's the obvious part where hikers and mountain bikers and maybe um, horse riders, equestrians want to move into the area because there's good trails. But there's also just the inherent added value of open space around development. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, imagine if you lived really close to the entrance of, like, Choya. That'd be sweet. (laughs) Choya is a local uh, entrance to Aliso in woods so just going along with the property value comment yeah well and i really believe that it's probably an undermeasured thing how much south south orange county property values are affected by mountain bike trails i suspect that and i don't want i'm i you know it's great crazy talk to try to put a number on it but like let's just say like I suspect that the general perceived added value of those trails to the property values is pretty much zero, but I bet it's like actual multiple percentage points. I yeah, I think so for sure. Which, I, I even think if it, it was two percentage points, it would be amazing, right? But I like, also think I suspect yeah. it's more than that. Yeah, I, I also think the open space and everything just adds it adds a quality to the area in general because right. I, I I feel like. And a lot of people will argue, like, I like South Orange County better than North Orange County, and South Orange County has a lot more open space, a lot that's more trails, and North Orange County doesn't. So that's the attraction, at least. I would say as far as that trade-off works, I prefer the older construction and what I perceive to be more mature, mature small business community in central and North Orange County along the 55 Beltway in Costa Mesa, Orange, Santa Ana, mm-hmm. Tustin. I, I think there's the the kind of business business community and community at large is better for me in the older developments right. and also the the cookie cutter construction you know like repetitive um construction in South Orange County is aesthetically displeasing to me right but i agree that the open space and trail access is a huge upside for South Orange County yeah for and the sure. communities that you mentioned, Tustin, Santa Ana, Costa Mesa, more Orange. Tustin, Santa Ana, Orange. So these are like old craft. They have old craftsman style construction in some of their communities, and even even if it's not that, it might be like built in the seventies versus built in the eighties or nineties. Which obviously that's trade offs. Like new construction's great if you're a homeowner and you don't want a lot of maintenance, but. I just happen to I I just feel like having a house that doesn't look exactly like looks less like my neighbor's house has value as well for me. 
Yeah. And it strikes the balance of being pretty pretty darn close, like pedal close to the the trail systems. Yeah. And a lot of South County communities have HOAs, which are a turnoff for me as well. Yep. I don't want to be told what door, what color my door has to be or anything like that. Yeah, welcome to my neighborhood. Which, I mean, everything ha- cuts both ways, right? Like, I appreciate how that maintains property values and makes it a stable investment. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want my neighbor to do certain things to their property that I'm going to be like, oh, geez, that's my neighbor. <laughs> so, like, you know, it cuts both ways. But for me personally, <laughs> I like the canyons for the, for the kind of less homogenized um, architecture and construction styles and um, like a little freer living. And the price I pay is that there what used to be like a semi-crack house across the street from me. And now, now it's an abandoned house. So, you know, everything has its trade-offs, right? Like, <laughs> well, I that would not pre- exist in South County. That would just get consumed yeah. into the HOA whatever. <laughs> yeah. At least it would have the right color door. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a, a, roost, a rooster house, as we call it, which is a, um, a euphemism with the right color door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. You want to call it? Yeah. All right. For to the rooster houses everywhere. Love the bike you ride. Thanks, Nathan and Ock. <laughs>